0: and welcome to episode 136 of No Crying in Baseball, the Brian Dozier is Why We Can't Have Nice Things episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth.
1: Hey. I first of all, I'm really looking forward to the bun- the punchline on that setup because I adore Brian Dozier and I As very much I. appreciate his sense of rhythm and all sorts of good things about him. But so yeah, I'm looking we'll forward there. to that. Mm-hmm. How, how have you been lately? How are things going?
0: And so, you know, it best as can be uh, nice weather has helped being outside, mm-hmm. reading on the porch, hanging out on the deck. That has helped a lot with the with the, you know, the whole stay at home order thing. Um, I'm still working my way through the Mr. Potty Mouth home brewed cranberry saison, which is a lovely, lovely beer. I've got some right now. So that's been helping quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that because I just filled up mine as well. It's on tap downstairs, which is so this is an OK to, place to be, you know, hanging out during this virus thing. And there's the offspring also hanging out, which seems to be going pretty well here. You know, I have the one in the house. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's all good. And and that's all good. And then my son from Adopt a Minor League Player, who I I caringly refer to as my son now, Eris Filpo, who is a minor league player living in the DR, he he did a very son-like thing. He texted me to apologize for it being so long since the last time he had texted me. Because oh, what a good he boy. He had gone to where he grows limes and there was no internet reception. So he was just checking back in. So, this is just another plug to anybody who has not checked out. Adopt a minor league player. If you can, adopt a minor league player. I mean, first of all, we all know that the minor league is in serious trouble right now. And it's just a great way to make a connection with a baseball player. You know, I I see that you've got some happies
0: on your list to talk about. And and one of them is a a much older baseball player, not much older than us,
1: but much older than your son. I don't think he is older than us. He's He's not turning 47 today, which would be younger than us. Our younger brother, Bartolo Colon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Big, sexy, turning 47 today. MLB did an amazing um, compilation, which I think I retweeted. If I haven't, I, I will, because it starts off with like a couple of shots of his workout routine. And that is a sight to behold. And also then followed by all of his highlights. But today is also an important day here in Washington Nationals land, because this was rock bottom last year. This was the day the Nationals turned it all around. So as we go into what's happening in Asian baseball in a little bit, we must keep that in mind, that things are still mighty early. And at this point, the Nats last year were well under 500. They were 19 and 31.
0: 19 and 31. This is the um, bumpy roads lead to beautiful places thing. This is the bumpy road part of that. And here we go with the turnaround. Happy anniversary, 19 and 31 day. On today's show, we've got progress on MLB plans with appearances by the governor of Colorado, the acting director of Homeland Security, and Brian Dozier. We've got international baseball, including typhoons, sex dolls, and a well-deserved yet tragic I told you so. We have MLB staff payrolls and how the angels are the devil. We have Nelson Cruz doing boyfriend things, and I have a nomination for my concessions boyfriend. And we're going to meet baseball artist Emily Wolfson. All right. It's June, people. It's June. If we want baseball to start, if we think baseball is going to start in July, things have to happen right away. I don't know how that's going to happen because we are in the midst of a lot of negotiations right now. Currently, where we are, the union, the players union just responded a few days ago to MLB's health and safety proposal, the 67-page protocol. They have a lot more questions They're asking for clarifications. And all of those things seem reasonable. This is like an actual negotiation. And they're treating that 67-page protocol document as a starting point. And both both sides seem to be um, understanding and working towards how can we make this work, which is pretty good. The next piece is the is the proposal for the season. How will the season work? Where will games be played? How many games will be played? How will that work logistically? That is going from MLB to the Players Union on Tuesday on the day that this episode drops. So um, that's something to look forward to. In the meantime, teams are planning for what is going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to have to figure out for sure there's going to be a spring training part two because spring training was so long ago the players are going to need some time to warm up a couple of weeks. A lot of teams are hoping to use their home fields rather than their spring training facilities for spring training part 2. Partially because it's it's hot in Florida now and it may be less hot depend like you know wherever your home team plays it may be less hot but also it's closer to normal this time of year to be living and working in the town where your team is, right? So it's kind of like bringing some normalcy to all of that. And also, you're not trying to tr- have people travel back and forth between a couple of different locations between training and starting the season if the season starts.
1: Are they still talking about a two-week stream- spring training?
0: That'll be in the proposal. I don't know for sure. It's oh. going to have to be at least two weeks. I've heard two or three weeks. It's going to have to be a couple of weeks for sure. That's why you know moving on these things is of paramount importance because if they're talking about starting a season in early july like around the fourth of july because they want to get 80 games in or 82 games in they got to start soon because it can't it's only so far into the fall and winter
1: that you can keep playing although that brings in yet another health risk because the kbo is coming down with an abnormal amount of injuries right now that's the korean baseball league that we're going to be talking about soon and they had a shortened spring training mm. so yikes yeah. Yep. That's another whole wrinkle in the whole
0: situation. These plans, um, and especially the health and safety uh, protocols, were also shared with state governments for states that have major league baseball teams. Because, you know, if a team is going to use their home field, it's got to be okay. with Like, you know, the, the governor, for instance, has to give their seal of approval. Like, yes, we are, you know, are going to allow this gathering or this use, you know, especially the states that are still have um, the reasonable protocols in place of we're not gathering only essential businesses, all of those things. So, so far, Colorado and California, New York have said, we are okay with this, you know, provisionally, like with no fans, you're thinking about the right things. Mm -hmm. Um, I am now a fan of the governor of Colorado because he said he he didn't have any problems with the protocols. He said, and I quote, my main disappointment is that they're going to have a DH in the National League, which I think is a defamation of baseball. So I know (laughs) nothing else about the governor of Colorado, but I'm with him on this. One of the things that's going to have to be worked out is – because we're not talking about doing like the Arizona plan or like the three region plan where each, te- where all the teams come to a bubble, like the whole bio bubble thing is no, there's no more, right? They want people to live at home. Well, living at home in different States means different regulations are in place for health and safety of people within that state. And then those people, those teams are going to travel to see each other, right? So there's going to be a much more heightened possibility for Infection, because people are coming from many different situations, right? I'm oh going to give God. you an example with Brian Dozier. And I will preface this by saying, I love Brian Dozier with all my heart. And this story is adorable if it wasn't happening during a pandemic. Are you ready?
1: Uh, I, I guess,
0: maybe. Brian Dozier lives in Kingsmill, Mississippi. And they've he lives in a cul-de-sac. And there are lots of kids, lots of families and they're all baseball fans, of course, because I don't know if having like a World Series champion on the block has anything to do with it. But he and there's also another player um, nearby who played um, through college. Big player. So they decided to turn the cul-de-sac into a ball field. They painted an infield on the cul-de-sac. All right. This is awesome. This is a great community building thing. It's a kids, big cul-de-sac. The, the kids in the neighborhood... <laughs> Well, yeah, they're for, it's for little kids. The kids in the neighborhood have divided into a boys' team and a girls' team. The boys' team is um, are the bandits, and the girls are the TikTokers. <laughs> and they play against each other. So again, community building and adorable. And there's footage. They call it they call it the sack, right? Because it's call it the cul de sac. So they go to the sack to play, and they play every day. And they're gonna have a seven game you know, World Series, and the champion team gets to hold Brian Dozier's replica World Series trophy. This all sounds great, except for we are in a pandemic, people. They showed video of these kids playing. All of these families are crammed onto the cul-de-sac. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's distancing. They're high-fiving, they're hugging, they're having a great time. If this were last year, I would use the word adorable 600 times, and we'd treat it as a happy drinking game, and it would be lovely, and my love for Brian Dozier would grow six times today. But it's happening during a pandemic. There are no masks. There is no social
1: distancing. It's
0: not heartwarming anymore.
1: Do you know what the Mississippi regulations are? Or the level of, yeah, I I just wonder what's happening there. Because as you were talking about, like, going from different states, there are some states that are starting to surge again now. So, like, if you're talking about people in a few weeks starting Mm -hmm. to travel, that's so many, that's, yeah, there's a lot to deal with there.
0: There sure is. There sure is, and so um, this is kind of heartbreaking. And of course, it was on Twitter. And of course, for fun, I read the comments, and maybe three people said things that I was going to say, like um, masks, distancing, danger. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, "Oh, party pooper! They're kids. They're healthy. Nothing's going to happen." Yeah, you know, come on, America. Let's just let's just play baseball. So uh, that to me is like a little, you know, view on. The rest of the country that is not where we are right now, where people are it, close by at least are pretty much following the rules. Not too far away, they're not so much, but yeah. So th-
1: I don't think we deserve baseball yet. And I love Brian Dozier,
0: but not today. I not agree today. with you.
1: I agree with you 100%. I'm so glad you're saying this because I did maybe comment on something on Twitter when I saw something of the like and then realized, oh, I'm doing that with the podcast um, account. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But I think it's okay now. (laughs) It was another baseball. It was another baseball tweeter. Um, So I just didn't quite agree with the idea that wearing not wearing a mask was an individual choice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So here's what the federal government's now doing. I just find this um, interesting. So the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, has um, the, the U.S. has exempted some foreign athletes from the entry ban. Right. You know, Trump Mm -hmm. imposed a ban on people coming from various countries um, because, you know, punitive. But anyway, this is now being lifted for players of certain professional sports, including Major League Baseball. And the quote is from um, acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. In today's environment, Americans need their sports. It's time to reopen the economy and it's time we get our professional athletes back to work. Gosh, darn, that poor that poor demographic that plays sports at the professional level. Gosh. Yeah. Well, on,
1: on the bright side, since the U.S. is now the global leader in coronavirus, right. if they're coming in from another country, it might be better than if they're coming in from Mississippi or something.
0: <laughs> That's right. It'll bring the, uh, the odds yeah. down. Right, We're bringing in right. more healthy people. <laughs> What's happening happening internationally? Tell us something about that.
1: Speaking of people who deserve baseball, the people of Taiwan and the people of Korea have done their share, and they follow the rules, and they get baseball. Usually, this past week, there was no baseball to be had in Taiwan because of monsoon. It, the, the, I Monsoons almost,
0: or typhoons? I think it was typhoons.
1: What is the difference? Do you know? Um, don't ask me science questions
0: in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> they both have Monsoons happen in July.
1: Typhoons happen now. How about that? Is that me lying with exact figures? That that sounds good to me. All I, there was a shit ton of rain. How about it was a that? Shit ton, there was a shit ton of rain. Shit ton of rain, and it, and it affected them in ways worse than baseball as well. I mean, there was a lot of extreme flooding and hardship, but also baseball was canceled until this morning for us, which is last night for them. Right. Uh, so I almost was able to say that the standings this week are exactly the same as the standings last week, but they are a tiny bit different. And I am very happy to say that one of those tiny bits was the Lions getting, yay, a win over the Monkeys this morning. But do not worry. The Monkeys are still retaining their first place, only team over 500 average status. But what the Lions got today, which is pretty fucking cool, is that they... Uh, Got another home run. So they now hold the record for CPBL in most consecutive games with home runs at 22 and it's still going. So that's kind of cool. Oh, but here's a shocker. You know how we talk about uh, all those home runs that are happening in the CPBL? Uh huh. Turns out the balls are juiced. No way. I can't believe it. It hardly ever happens. Yeah. There were, what, 53 runs in two games last week? Um, They're not just guessing. They actually know this? They use the same testing that MLB does, which is interesting because I guess Japan and Korea use a different kind of testing. So their balls aren't comparable to our balls, but Taiwan's balls are comparable. And they actually usually have the same-ish standard number. Uh, COR, it was supposed to be 570, but they tested it twice randomly this year and it came up higher. So they are planning to ge- de-juice their balls uh, soon before the playoffs. Somebody actually commented, sort of uh, insinuation for last year. Maybe they should dejuice them right before the chip playoffs, but maybe they will dejuice them at the monsoon break or something like that. They've
0: done this before. I, I know that they, they do test them and they do make changes
1: when they find things are out of whack. Go figure. Well, hopefully it'll get straightened out before it actually makes a huge difference in a championship game. The only other uh, exciting news from Taiwan is their minor league is now open to fans. So look, people are following rules. They get baseball. They get a minor league. I am so jealous of Taiwan in so many ways. Uh, Korea also doing well. Uh, so we were bookended in Taiwan with you at the top and me at the bottom still. And then we're flipping again for Korea. The dinos are cranking 13 and three. I saw them lose a really heartbreaking game this week, forced to watch ESPN because of the lack of CPBL. And your wyverns are like really tanking. They're two and 14. But as we said with the Nats, there is hope. Uh, the Wyverns were a second place team last year, but apparently they lost a couple pitchers. And so that is a little bit why they're doing so poorly this year. And their streak news is not very good streak news, but it could have been worse. They almost tied the record of 11 straight losses. That would have been a KBO record, but they stopped at 10. They got their second win after 10. So they broke, broke things up enough to not. Can't even or- be best at worst. I, I would think that that would be kind of a good thing, right? To be almost worse, not completely <laughs> worse. But you know what they're best in, and this is a really good thing. We get to say adorable. We get to drink. They have a pitcher, Kim Tae Hoon, who Pitching Ninja has named the happiest pitcher in the world. And you have got if you haven't seen the little clips of him, he smiles and waves at the batter. He is he's adorable. I'm going to drink to Kim Tae Hoon because he is so adorable.
0: Yes. Yeah. He's the one who like grins when he strikes somebody out and he grins when they walk, right? I mean, it's yeah, he's, like, okay.
1: he sort of like shrugs his shoulders and he's All like right. giggling. You know, it's sort of like what a little he, le, le kid might do, like a happy one. I just, he's, he's really, really cute. Love that guy. Maybe not so cute is sex dolls. I don't know. I guess it depends on your point of view. I'm going to briefly cross train. That's a
0: hell of a segue right there.
1: <laughs> You, get, you 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 went from Little League to sex dolls in like 10 words. That's not enough. Oh, there's the quote of the episode. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, at least there aren't sex dolls in baseball. I guess, yeah. Uh, they, Korea has more than one sport. They're also playing soccer. And they do not have fans in the stands there, just like they don't have fans in the stands in baseball. So apparently the FC Seoul team hired some company to put – mannequins in the stands. And you might ask, what is the difference between a mannequin and a sex doll? And I'm not going to explain that right now, but they figured it out because there was a banner with the mannequins for an adult toy manufacturer. And there was a reference to the models for whom the sex dolls were modeled after inspired by yeah so the team is claiming that it's not their fault they're claiming that it's fraud they disciplined their employees who set up the dolls and I feel like that is just not necessary like that while they were setting them up they should have clued into the fact that they were sex dolls not mannequins I mean a quick visual inspection I think would let you know all you need to know yeah and and if you need to look further you don't want your employees doing that really <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you even suspect, you should <laughs> act on that. Uh,
1: oh so, so yeah, we'll see where that goes. But I'm guessing that they're not going to be doing business with that company anymore for mannequins. On the other side of the globe, closer to us in Nicaragua, I have to I hate saying I told you so, but it just comes out of my mouth because I just feel like fuck it. I told you so. It's the right thing. It's horrible, but it's the right thing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I don't remember what episode it was, but it was four or five weeks ago when we were talking about baseball starting in other places. And I said, do not support baseball in Nicaragua. They are, an, it's not a safe country. They're not doing anything to control the virus. Things just went on as normal. And you knew it was going to happen. It's just like watching a train wreck. So they finally suspended baseball because a to- coach died, not just because somebody got the virus, but died from the virus. But it took a lot more than that, because the first reaction from the league after the coach died was to say that they would take temperatures of players going into games. Wait, wait. Wait
0: wait, Mm -hmm. so this coach who's been working with this team or teams all
1: of this time, and they're just going to go ahead and take temperatures, but let everybody keep playing? Yeah. And and surprise, the players refused. And so Ah. the league had to suspend. Right now, it's officially suspended for three weeks. But it's not just this coach who has it. There are eight others of the team with symptoms. There's no evidence in the two articles that I read about testing. And I'm guessing that that is not easy to come by in Nicaragua because Nicaragua basically doesn't do anything to deal with the disease, period. I mean, all of the other sports in the the country are continuing. And to the point where if players refuse, they get fined or punished. So that's what was happening before this coach died. Last week, when things were looking bad, the team, the the one with the eight sick players and the coach who just died died asked for a suspension of a tournament, and I guess it was sort of like a semifinal before a Nationals, and it was refused because they had sick players. They had to use outfielders to pitch. Oh, good God. Mm-hmm. And they they ended up with a doubleheader, I guess, because one game they just couldn't get it together. The, they lost, <laughs> but this team lost both of the doubleheaders. The second game ended up being a no-hitter, go figure. So that goes down in their history books. But not only was it a no-hitter, but the winning team won with an unearned run, and that was it. So I'm thinking just everybody is so sick at this point. And it's terrifying. So who knows how many more? And honestly, we're not going to know because news out of Nicaragua these days, which breaks my heart, having been like in the good old 80s, a very pro Sandinista kind of person things did not work out in Nicaragua the way that us liberals had hoped back in the day
0: well that's horrifying that I'm kind of speechless about that whole thing the bit about the players being fined and punished if they refuse to play actually plays in a little bit to the MLB plans because there are questions about everyone thinks it's okay if a player themselves you know has a condition which would make COVID even more dangerous, not playing. But then there are degrees, like what about if it's a family member who is mm-hmm. more at risk? And what about if you just don't think it's a good idea to play, what's going to happen? So all of these things hopefully we'll learn more about on Tuesday. And ideally, we learn it now and we talk it all through before anybody gets in this on the same ball field with anybody else. Absolutely. While we are waiting for these plans to come up, there's a the question of who is getting paid on the team payrolls, not the players, but the front office staff, um, the scouting staff, the baseball operations, the business operations people. What's happening? There's no coherent plan because you know these payrolls are um, are under the are regulated by the teams themselves. This is not an MLB thing. Each team is is their own business, basically. So there's a couple of different categories, but it seems like across the board, the higher Um, Higher salaried positions, executives have taken largely voluntary pay cuts already, and in the teams that we'll talk about, who are furloughing furloughing employees, everyone seems to be keeping their health benefits, which is you know which is good. Good, we'll Mm -hmm. take that. As we mentioned before, June is important, right? So you'll hear the June or end of May come up a lot when I kind of run through these. The best situation right now. Oh, Canada, it's the Blue Jays, because the Canadian government has the the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program for businesses affected by coronavirus, and that baseball team is a business, and the government sees that as the case, so they're helping to pay these salaries. There's also, I think, at the higher levels, there are pay cuts and all of that to help make the numbers all work out, but they're going to keep all approximately 500 people that are on staff on the payroll through October 1st getting this help from the Canadian government. Some of their staff are Americans. They're also covered by this because it's the Canadian businesses payroll. They've also applied to the U.S. government for help and of course they've heard not a thing back.
1: Surprising oh god no. that is so <laughs> sad. Oh, the, wonderful Canada.
0: So the Phillies and the Giants um, have also said they're going to pay their staff through October and the brewers have said the entire season which you know Who knows when the season starts, when it ends. But so there's it looks like there's four teams so far that are going to cover whatever they can cover through October, which is pretty great, or to the beginning of October at least. Um, Some teams have made commitments through the month of June. Remember, June is important. Hopefully Mm -hmm. sometime before or or in the beginning of June, we'll know what happens next. So some teams are only worrying about that early part, right? So the White Sox, the Twins, the the Cards, the O's, the Tigers, the Rockies, they're They've all promised that they're going to cover all their full-time employees through June. The Cubs, however, have said they've, they've got to start pay cuts in June. They're not going to furlough anybody yet, but they're going to start pay cuts, which, of course, will be higher for the higher salaries and, you know, lower for like the, you know, the, the lower salaried employees. So that's going to start in June. Wow. So now that the- means
1: that it, they're committing to paying something, but just yeah. not what they're, they used to. Yeah. So they're, they're better they're than not nothing, paying- but it's not as good as the other teams.
0: Right. Right. Uh, and then the Pirates and the Reds are talking about starting furloughs in June. Um and starting pay cuts, if they so the pirates, their um, higher level staff have already taken pay cuts. Um, the reds staff will start pay cuts in June. The reds have said they're going to furlough less than twenty five percent of the staff. I don't think we know about the pirates. The pirates are clear that it's temporary. So you know, if, as soon as season's back or whatever, the you know, the staff is back. And then you get to the level of the angels. The angels are confounding the rest of the world of baseball who cannot believe that the angels are pulling this crap. The owner of the angels is worth 3.3 billion dollars. This is the owner. The owner is worth 3.3 billion dollars. They are they have the most aggressive furloughs of any of the other teams. They are cutting people right and left, including they're gutting their scouting staff. And the scouting staff is super low paid to begin with. As you know compared to everybody else. So how much money are you actually saving? And here's where it really gets nasty. So we've talked about the the Major League Baseball draft being only five rounds coming up in the beginning of June. So you need your scouting staff. You know they've all filed their reports already on on who you know they're going to recommend. But there's still all the business of signing the players and also the unsigned players. They can offer that twenty thousand dollar contract to. There's a lot of work for for scouts. So they've cut they have gutted their their scouting staff already. They're keeping a few people on to get them to the to the draft itself. And then they're going to furlough those people. Oh, no. It's like, hi, yes, we need you to the beginning of June, but then we won't need you anymore. So you're out of here. So the Angels are taking a lot of crap um, from the rest of the world of baseball because they can afford to do better. And they are not showing their best side right now. In the world of minor leagues, which Potty Mouth alluded to, you know, their only agreement for paying the players is through May. And there hasn't been anything else public about is anything going to happen after that? no idea what's going to happen with the with the minor league um season this year other than the fact that i don't think it's going to happen some minor league teams in order to pay at least a little bit to their seasonal staff have been doing curbside drive up concession stand food which i think is fantastic so you can order like that ballparks like specialty food on certain, like on Fridays or something and drive up to the ballpark. And in some cases, the mascot will even come out and put the food in your car. I checked Potty Mouth. None of our local places, none of our Dang. local, many, many teams have this, but the Rochester Red Wings, where I've been a few times, cause my kid goes to school up there, have their, their, um, their, their, their garbage plate um, as part of the curbside pickup, but it's, <laughs> it's a long, awesome. a long commute to, to do that, but they're doing whatever they can. Right.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense for places that are more off the beaten path to be doing stuff like that because those are the places that don't have as many dining out options and things to do in the summer. So, yeah, in the D.C. area, we can find other stuff. But, you know, I'm thinking like Pulaski, that area didn't have a lot going on outside the ballpark. Beautiful. But, you know, people must love having something else to get food from. Yeah, very cool. I can talk about fake baseball again really quickly. Do it. I'm going to talk about the Dream back Bracket 2 so you don't have to, or I guess I check so you don't have to. <laughs> it, it, it actually really doesn't take that much time. It's a half hour to watch a game. It is this like really horrible video game uh, view that just doesn't quite do it. But it goes by pretty quickly, and the- At least it's over soon. At least, least it's over first? soon, and the commentary is actually worth it. So this is what, we had talked about this last week. This is a bracket system through all of MLB where they're theoretically having the best teams go up against each other to find out what the best overall team is. So like the you know 2019 Nationals are in there, the 2004 Red Sox are in there. Hmm, I wonder why I thought of those two. But you watch, you know, even something as distinct as the 42 monarchs go up against, uh, what is it, the 98 Yankees from different eras. And that creates a lot of interesting conversation. And what if, and who knows if this computer simulation holds any water. But it's nice to at least have an excuse to hear about the teams and hear about the players. I thought it was the 2012 Nats. Do the Nats have two teams in there? They do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's who beat the Crawfords. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that Kurt Suzuki was on both. I didn't realize. I mean, Uh when he was there for a flash before, it was from 12 to 13. So, and then he went away and then he came back. And so he must be a good omen. Let's hang on to him for a while. Um, So the first round is down. The next round is coming up on May 26th and 27th. So these are the games you can watch because they, they have a bunch of games that happen and you can, I think, see them on Twitch, but for actually hearing somebody call them and teach you about the players and stuff like that, these are your opportunities. On the 26th at three o'clock, you can watch the 04 Red Sox against the 96 Rangers. You know where I stand on that one. And at 3.30, see, it's just a half hour. You get the 60 Pirates against the 69 Cubs. On the 27th at three o'clock, you get the 98 Yankees against the 42 Monarchs. So that would be fascinating just to sort of talk about what the difference is. And uh, the 19 Nats against the 11 D-backs. And actually talking about those kind of differences, the Nats made won their first round, obviously, and they beat the 35 Crawfords, which was a team from the Negro League. And for that team, spitballs were legal. So they were throwing spitballs and the Nats still beat them. So. Yay, go Nat. So yeah, it's only a half hour. They do like a five-minute intro. Actually, you know, if you want to stop watching, listening after that first five minutes, that's also a very good option. And you can just scan the review the next day. They'll give the, you yeah. the highlights. You can rewatch it too later at any time. So if you don't one care one about one knowing could. who won, yeah. One could.
0: I want to talk boyfriends for just a second. And I want Yay. to... Be- I want to um, propose that I get to have a concessions boyfriend. Is that all
1: right? Oh, sure. You know, we're in a pandemic. We get to make up new boyfriend rules. And, you know, these are the guys that we used to choose one per team, each of us every week because they were cool. That's something special. And that's what fueled our podcast. So I would say, yes, at this point, let's go off and do some interesting tweaks on the boyfriend system.
0: Well, I got one. As you know, I was born and bred in lovely Cleveland, Ohio. There is the beer guy in Cleveland. His name is Les Flake. He is Les the beer guy, Flake, who has been selling beer at all three Cleveland sports venues. He's been doing this since 1974. Wow. That is some dedication. That's right. Somebody who loves their job. He loves his job, and everybody knows him, and everybody loves him nearby at Case Western Reserve University, there is a bar called the Jolly Scholar who then turned into sort of a microbrewery and they decided to um, brew and market a beer called Cold Beer Here. And they worked with Les Flake to um, to be the face of Cold Beer Here. In the pandemic, I'm sure, and it's definitely around us, maybe around you, that local breweries are delivering beer. So Les and the Jolly Scholar folks have decided to do Home delivery delivered by the beer guy who comes in his like bright yellow concession polo and yells, the beer guy's here when he gets to your porch or your driveway and that drops amazing off your beer. And they're doing it all over Northeastern Ohio. I mean, for those of you who know the geography, they've delivered to Sandusky, which is near Cedar Point, which is hours away from Cleveland. So they are really you know going everywhere. But the great thing is once they cover their expenses, all the proceeds go to the, the to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. So there's yeah. your boyfriend thing right there. He's good at his job. He's got mad skills. He clearly loves his job and philanthropy. So I'm and proposing. Beer. That like, beer like, point. and beer. And beer's a plus. So
1: you we talk about like having boyfriends you want to have a beer with. He can bring the he can bring the beer. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. That is really the ultimate baseball boyfriend then. Connection to baseball, doing good things, and he can bring the beer. Hey, last year's boyfriend Nelson Cruz
0: was just nominated for the Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian ESPY Award, which will be awarded on June 21st. And we have talked about Nelson Cruz's foundation, the Broomstick 23 Foundation, before, and how he um, does a lot of work in Las Matas de Santa Cruz in the Dominican Republic, which is his hometown, where he's provided a po- you know built a police station and, and bought a fire truck, an ambulance, a police motorcycle for the town. He has this traveling health clinic that serves like 1,200 people. He provides wheelchairs and canes for the elderly, all this stuff. He also now, during the pandemic, has been providing food to residents in need and protective gear for healthcare workers. In addition to the work he's doing in the DR, he also has something called the Healing Venezuela Initiative, which basically provides healthy nourishment for 2,000 newborns, every year. So Nelson Cruz, my boyfriend, doing great stuff and being recognized for it, which is very cool. Yay.
1: That's awesome. We have another special guest this week. We would like to welcome Emily Wilson, who is an artist, an architect, and the founder of Unforgettables, which you will hear all about very soon. They are painted baseballs with meaning and style. So welcome, Emily. Thanks for taking some time out to join us today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. We start all of our
0: special guest interviews with the same question. So here it comes. What's your relationship with baseball? My relationship with baseball, initially, because I was from, I'm was i from New Jersey,
2: I didn't really have a relationship because I didn't have a team to follow. So I really followed football. But as I, um, I mean, my business is almost 25 years old now, I have been immersed in baseball doing the artwork. And I, now I'm a huge fan. It's actually my favorite sport. Do you have a team? I do. Well, I'm in Philly, so I'm loyal to the Phillies, but I, I really do because I love baseball history and I, I sort
1: of love them all, but, but I root for the Phillies. So how did the baseball start being your canvas? So why did you actually start painting on a baseball? Such a good question. I am one of those people who paints really tiny. So when you see the
2: baseball, you think, oh, she just shrunk that down and made it big first. But I, I'm because I'm like sort of a miniaturist at heart, I think that there was something about the baseball from like a pop culture, icony sort of way. And I saw it as like a white canvas. And when I started, all baseballs were white. I mean, people didn't really do anything, print anything on baseballs. So I I love this idea that it was like something you could hold in your hand. It really wasn't related to the sport necessarily at all. That like evolved as I worked on the designs. So what kicked this
0: off for you? Like what was the first baseball you painted?
2: So the first one I did was an American flag. Um, Again, this was like 25 years ago. Um, And it was for my husband who was like uh, my boyfriend then a huge flag person. And so I like broke it up because like baseballs are two different pieces. I broke it up into like the stars and then the stripes. I mean, now you see that everywhere. But then it was just it was the craziest thing to see it on a baseball. I mean, You just, and baseballs were only white. You just, you never saw artwork on them. And then once I did that, I thought, oh my goodness, I I could do anything.
1: Well, your expansion from there into the stadium balls, especially, is such a huge jump. There's so much, so much detail on them. And you said you've done over 50, is that right? Different stadiums?
2: Yeah, I do. I have old and new stadiums. And mostly because, I mean, I love baseball history, but I also think that people, people are attached to the stadiums that they grew up seeing their their baseball games in and whether it's like the vet like the ugliest stadium ever in Philadelphia <laughs> or whether it's beautiful citizens bank park like if they saw all their games in the vet like they want the vet they don't want the new one or connie mac like they want the one where they you know their baseball time as a fan you know was the most expansive so I have a huge variety because of that.
1: So as far as your own painting of them, do you have a favorite? Which one was the most fun to do, would you say? It's,
2: I, I you know, it's hard to separate. I, I mean, I love the Yankee Stadium one and it's not just because it sells the most. <laughs> there's something. That I
0: it, I mean, it
2: that, that's good. No, it's good. But, but there's, it's so symmetrical. Like the way it falls on the baseball, it falls so perfectly. And it's such an icon. And when I first did the original Yankee Stadium, um, I don't know. It was just, it was such a beautiful park. It was really fun to do. I mean, the new one is nice too, but the the original one was just really beautiful. So I, I guess I like that the best. So just
1: to clarify, which is the big seller, the old Yankee Stadium or the new one?
2: That is a good question. I'd say new Interesting. because I guess... As I've been in business longer, I have a broader base. And then that broader base has been to the new more than the old.
1: I just have to say, as someone who has visited the new one and someone who's a Red Sox fan, that I'm sure that you made a better version on your baseball than one what what one could actually see in real life because it's it's not I didn't have a, a good experience sort of aesthetically at the stadium. So it's great that you can even bring that to life. <laughs>
2: well, I definitely think that the new stadium is, you know, I mean, look, it's modern yeah. and whatever, but I just think the old one was beautiful and the new one is fine, but not the same.
0: So you do movies and pop culture kinds of things. How how did that come about? Because you've got, like, you know, stadiums are the thing that, that people share and they can go to and visit. And the movies are a little bit more, I don't know, ephemeral. I think that... I sort of, as I began
2: with the stadiums and I was thinking about like what do people really associate with their team besides just the logo, which, and I don't do logos. Um, I was trying to think of like the baseball fan and I feel like baseball movies more than any other sports movies have like, there's so much heart in them. Um, and I think that baseball fans truly love these movies. So I started, you know, doing some favorites like Sandlot or No Crying in Baseball, um, yeah. uh, a, league, a League of Their Own, um, and ones that, that just people loved. And they got such a big following that
0: I thought, okay, let me do more of them. And there, there's still so many I'd like to do that I haven't done. Are you doing them by request? Do you get like a bunch of people say, oh my God, I have to have a Field of Dreams one? Or are you just sort of like in your heart know which is the next one to do? I a combination
2: I'd love to say I'm really organized and know exactly which one I'm going to do when sometimes it'll be like someone will request it and I've just seen it and I'm like oh yeah that's a really good idea <laughs> and then sometimes you know I mean which is like so not businesslike but I you know I I, I there's, you know I love the romance of these movies so much that when I see them I get excited about them too um but yeah I, a lot of times it'll be it'll be
0: jump-started by a request from somebody. And I'll start to think about it. So we discovered too late that you retire baseball. So we totally missed our chance on a no crying in baseball baseball. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well yeah so I started doing when I did the stadiums they were I was working with a company who was distributing them and they were telling me and I was so new at this and they were like oh make the limited edition 50,000 so I was like well okay um but then as like I've been talking to baseball fans and baseball collectors you know 50,000 is so many um that I I started at, at you know at their request making the numbers much lower. So yeah, I mean, when I did, when I did the league of their own ball, I think it was like 300 or something, you know, and I, I've made the numbers so much lower. And I think that you know, the people who get them really like that. The people who don't get them
1: are so happy about it. The less, less fan-like about that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's that's a little bit of encouragement for folks to go to your website and, and buy quickly. Because if you see something you like, you don't know that it's still going to be there for a while. And beyond just movies, you've also got a lot of remarkable... Uh, dedications to players or teams. And of course, I was very impressed by the David Ortiz ball. I know you also have Jeter and Cal Ripken. Um, Do you have plans for some others right now? What are the big names that you're thinking about?
2: Um, you know, before COVID, I actually was ironically thinking about doing the greatest baseball players of all time, like in a series. And it's actually really timely now because I think with baseball not going on for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, people like reflecting on the past players. So I'm I'm working on, you know, a series of Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Hank Aaron and the older players and I'll do it in black and white, but I, I do when I'm choosing the players, I'm trying to be topical. I mean, Jeter just got inducted. Um, and otherwise I'll, I'll try to do people who, you know, were Hall of of Fame inductees once in a blue moon. I'll do like, I did yoga Yogi Berra when he passed, like, you know, sometimes I'll do something that just happened. Um, but I I try to be topical if I can. And
1: just to be more clear for our listeners, these balls and these dedications aren't just like their number or picture. You have a lot of information on each baseball. Could you give us an example of like some of the more memorable details that you've included? Sure. I
2: mean, I, I think of it because I'm sort of a miniaturist at heart. I think of it like I'm trying to create this world on the baseball. So I want to get everything that somebody would love about that player or about that stadium or whatever it is I'm trying to put on the ball. So as you're turning it around, you're going to see all these different details. So I'll do um, for players' balls or when they're inducted, I'll do their their famous stats Um, I'll, I'll try to do some sort of like little iconic picture of them, you know, either at bat or, um, you know, in the stadium, um, I'll do their nicknames. Um, I have done world series balls and I, I like almost crowdsource the ideas that I put on there because I try to get really what like a fan is looking for so much beyond just a name and a logo, you know, like so much more about the character. Mm -hmm. Um, to
1: that, answer? oh yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> okay, right before we started recording, I was just talking to Patty about your world, your last two World Series balls, and how interested I am because I'm both a Red Sox fan and a Nats fan. And the way that you captured the the feeling of each one, which were very distinct uh, championships, I feel like I I got to go there. That's that's where I'm going to yeah. start with my collection. I think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's really helpful. I mean, I think that's where I really started the sort of crowd ideas was for the World Series balls, because I would be on my Instagram feed while I'm watching the game. And I'll be looking at things people are posting and songs and, you know, signs that are are clever sayings that people would associate with like that team that year. And then I try to capture that on the ball because I'm not doing logos. I'm trying to sort of like, give you more the feeling of that particular team at that moment then just the logo is going to connote so that's why I like adding you know as much detail as I can you know putting it on
0: there real tiny so I get as much information as I possibly can i like all the research that goes into this whether it's you know the 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 sort of the popular research that you're doing but also if you're doing these historical players and and stadiums and all you're doing some deep dives is that I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm chicken and egg here. You say, you know, you're, you're really into baseball history. Did that come from having to dive into it to do this research, or was it the other way around? No, it definitely, it came from having to like.
2: As I began doing these balls that had to do with research, I find that, you know, baseball fans, and maybe this is true of all sports fans, but definitely baseball fans, like, you know, you don't get it right. They're going to tell you (laughs) um, in droves. I mean, I will get so many emails. So, you know, and and because these balls, I do an original painting, but then these are prints of the balls. They're not the original painted ball. I can imagine Um, yeah, because, you know, for time and cost. But um, I, ha- I have printed balls before with a mistake. And then I had to throw them all out and redo it. So I'm really careful now. I actually, I spent a lot of time researching. And even once I've researched it, I will still send out an email. I have a group called Proofreaders. And they'll look at my artwork and tell me if my facts are right. Because to with the deep dive aspect, I mean, you can't do Wikipedia which I should know because I told my kids that, but like there I was on Wikipedia, um, and it's not you need like baseball almanac, you need baseball reference. Like now I know the places that are actually accurate, but originally I I kind of was doing I guess just what popped up, which was Wiki, and now I realize that you know I I really do need to dive much deeper.
1: I can relate as a teacher too. I definitely say one thing and do another when it comes to Wikipedia yeah. and preparing for our podcast. <laughs> Yeah.
0: So where can people find these beautiful baseballs? Um, so I
2: have a website where I have um, you know, almost 150 different designs. It's unforgettables.com. Um, and uh, you can just hop on there and view them all. Uh, can I can I give your viewers a little coupon code if they if they get on there and see something they that like? I love be that.
1: Fantastic.
2: Yes, please. Okay. So when you, you order whatever you want, you put it in the cart and then the discount code is no crying. So it's the two words either together or separate. Both will work.
1: Thanks. That's right. And it's 10%. Oh, off. lovely. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah. Right in time for father's day folks. Yes,
2: absolutely.
0: All right. Anything you want to, you want to make sure that our listeners know about you before we say goodnight? Um, no, but I was so, I'm so glad
2: to be on here and I'm so like excited to find different ways to reach, you know, avid baseball fans because they're, you know, they give me ideas. They help me with the ideas I have. I mean, it's it's a great, you know, place to be able to get in touch with people. Yeah. And so thank you so oh, much. Oh, our
1: pleasure. We are very in favor of promoting women working with baseball in any way <laughs> and very much appreciators of art. So it seemed like a really good fit. So thank you so much Emily for joining us today. We will definitely stay in touch. I'm going to be checking out those World Series baseballs for sure. And folks, remember the discount code no crying with or without a space when you go to unforgettableballs.com. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Emily Wolfson. It was so much fun to talk to her and
0: her fabulous baseballs. And remember that coupon code of no crying to get your 10% off these gorgeous stadium and player and um, pop culture baseballs that she paints with her original artwork. In the week coming up, I'm going to hope the rain holds off in Taiwan because I've missed my breakfast baseball for a good portion of this past week. And I'm going to be watching for that MLB plan to see what the heck they're going to propose to the union for how this season's going to work.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm tired of the backup ESPN deal. It has not gotten any better. So let's hope for CPBL this week.
0: Please feel free to catch up on some past episodes you may have missed. Tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. Leave us a review or rating if you get a chance. And please find us on social media.
1: Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast or Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. You can always drop us an email at NCIB Podcast at gmail.com. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. night, Potty Mouth.